to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned him thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us. Father, we thank you, God, for the privilege, Lord, to be in your house this morning. God, thank you, Lord, for the good presence of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that we felt. God, we thank you, Lord, for the good testimonies. God, that have magnified you. And I thank you, dear Lord, for what you've done in this place already. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, in the preaching time. I pray, God, that you'd anoint us and help us, Lord. We, God, don't want to stand, Lord, within ourselves. And I pray, God, that you'd help us tomorrow from your great power this morning. I pray, God, that you'd help us, draw us closer to you. God, as a result of these meetings, Father, I pray, God, that you'd send revival in each heart. Help every family that's represented, help every church, God, every missionary, every evangelist, every pastor. I pray, God, that you do, Lord, the work that only you can. And God, will thank you for that. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Second Kings uh, chapter number 4 is a familiar passage of Scripture to us. And most of us, when we think of this chapter, we look at the beginning story here in Second Kings where this woman was, where she was one of the wives of the prophets. And we know that her husband died and the creditors came. And we know that they were going to take her sons uh, to, the, to be bondmen there. Uh, but we see this story, how God provided with the oil. Amen. And thank God, God is a God that provides. Amen. But in the first story, we find that there is a certain woman. But here when we come to verse number Eight, we find that there is a great woman. Amen. You say, what does that have to do with anything this morning? Boy, I'm glad, thank God, that God is the God of the small and He's the God of the great. Amen. I'm glad He's the God of the rich and He's the God of the poor. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, He's all sufficient and He's able to meet every need that you and I have in the day in which we live. Amen. We find that Elisha is ministering here in Shunem and he passes through uh, this way several, several times. Uh, and this woman realizes this and she knows. Uh, and he stops by the house and she figures this. She ta- asks her husband and says, Well, we ought to build a room on the side of the house. Amen. Uh, we ought to join a room to our house and uh, provide lodging for the man of God when he comes through and when he passes through. So she talks to her husband about it. And we know that they build this room. And then in this room, uh, we find a few things that I think in just a few moments I will be a help to you and I today. And then we find in verse number 11, we find that the Bible says, and it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Amen. And I'll get to that in just a few moments. But I want to say this, just by way of introduction, I want you to see some things about this woman this morning. Notice this, number one, I see her desire this morning. Amen. I see her desire. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. 
She said, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Amen. I see this woman's desire for Elisha to come and to lodge with she and her husband. Amen. Now this is more than just wanting the man of God to come and be there and his presence be made known in their house. But what this speaks to us about this morning is the fact that you and I ought to desire for the Lord Jesus Christ to be on the innermost chambers of our heart and life. Amen. We ought to not just desire just to know Jesus, but not just to have a casual relationship with the King of Kings, but thank God you and I can open up our heart and we can find a place of innermost lodging for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that ought to be our desire this morning is to have a deeper and a fuller relationship with Jesus. Amen. That was her desire. It was her desire not to just build a building on the back 40. No, it was her desire to join a chamber to the house and let the presence of Elisha be there in their home. And we ought to desire for the presence of God to be evident and to be preeminent in our home. Amen. That's her desire. But then I see her dedication. Look with me in verse number 8. The Bible says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in fever to eat bread. Amen. Not only do we see her desire, but we see her dedication today. Amen. We see that every moment that Elisha passed through Shunem, every single time that he came by, every time that he was in town, you know what she did? She prepared some bread. She prepared that room. And this shows dedication to the man of God. Boy, we had enough preaching on that yesterday. Uh, amen. To go all week. But I just want to say this this morning. Uh, that you ought to be dedicated to the man of God. Uh, there ought to be some loyalty involved uh, when it comes to your relationship with your preacher. Amen. Uh, you ought to be dedicated just as this woman uh, was dedicated to Elisha. Uh, you ought to be dedicated to your man of God. Uh, you ought to have his back when he preaches. Amen. Uh, uh, you ought to pray for him. Uh, you ought to pay for him. Amen. Uh, you ought to provide for him something every one, once in a while. Uh, uh, be good to his children. Uh, uh, be good to him and be good to his family and provide for the man of God. Amen. We see she was dedicated to her preacher. Amen. We see that it paid off for her later in the story. Amen. We see her desire and then we see her dedication. But then look with me in verse number 9. We see her discernment. Amen. Verse number 9 says this, And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Now I don't know that it was the power of God was just so evident in his life that she realized this and she saw it, but you have to think about what's going on and what's taking place in the day and hour in which she's she's living. Amen. Elisha, his only real competition is the prophets of Baal. Amen. His only real competition is that godless crowd and that worldly crowd. Oh, but how bright his light shines in the midst of darkness. And thank God 
this woman had enough discernment to know a man of God when she seen one. Thank God she realized that the hand of God was upon him and God was with him. Hey, can I say this this morning? Thank God for a man of God who will spend time with God and labor in the Word. And thank God the presence and the power of God will show up on their life. We see her desire. We see her dedication. We see her discernment. But I want to draw your attention to a few things in this chapter this morning. Look what the Bible says in verse number 11. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. What is it that's so important about this chamber this morning? Well, you and I can draw strength from this chapter and you and I can apply this chapter to our heart and life. I believe this and this is the only place that I find this. Amen. But we find that this woman and her husband build this chamber adjoined to their house and this is where we get the idea of a prophet's chamber. Amen. This is where we get that idea. This is where we get that concept in the Bible. And she builds this room on the side of her house. She and her husband for the man of God. But we find in verse number 11 that as he passes through Shunem, the Bible says, and it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. There's no doubt in my mind from the things that we find in the text this morning that that, that the needs of Elisha were met. Amen. But as Elisha passes through Shunem, he comes to this chamber and the Bible says he lays there. Amen. No doubt he was resting. No doubt he was drawing more strength for the next journey and the next ministry that he had. But I believe this without a doubt in my mind. He used this place as a place of prayer and he used this room as his secret place. Amen. And I want to preach on this thought for just a few moments this morning on what you'll find in the secret place. Amen. What you'll find in the secret place. Brother, I'm convinced that the greatest need in this day and hour is not better preachers. It's not better tactics. It's not more programs. It's not more money. It's not more means of doing things. But the missing link and the missing element in our day is that of a prayer life, a time spent alone with God. Brother, we've got church members uh, that look just like the world. Uh, They're as carnal as they can be. And it's because they don't spend any time uh, in the prayer closet with God anymore. Amen. Brother, we've got preachers. They don't have enough fire to warm a chigger's feet. Amen. It's because they don't spend any time in the secret place. Uh, They don't spend any time with God anymore. Uh, But thank God if you'll spend time with God, uh, there are rewards that we find in this text uh, that you can claim for yourself uh, and apply to your own life this morning. Amen. What you'll find in the secret place. Number one, I see this. I see a bed. In the secret place. I see a bed in the secret place. What does that bed speak to us about this morning? That bed speaks of peace this morning. You say, what are you talking about? Some of you that travel, some of you preachers, maybe you're uh, an over-the-road truck driver, or you have some uh, career where it requires for you to travel. You know as well as I do that hotel beds can be a nightmare. Amen. Uh, they're either really, really good or they're really, really bad. Uh, and you'll stay in some places that you wouldn't even put your own family. Uh, but I promise you this, you open the door to your own house, uh, uh, you go in there and you kiss your wife, uh, and y'all retire 
for the evening and you lay down in your own bed, thank God uh, there is no peace, uh, there is no rest, uh, there is no comfort like your own bed. Amen. When you're in your own bed, you're at peace. You're at rest. You're at comfort. All is right. Amen. Because you can rest easy because you're in the innermost chamber of your own home and you're at rest. Can I say this this morning that prayer is just like that this morning. Amen. There is no place of peace like the place of prayer. Amen. There is no place of rest. There is no place of contentment for the Christian like the place of prayer. Amen. There's not a doubt in my mind as Elisha passed through the desert, as he passed through those dry lands, and he came to his secret place. Boy, he laid down in his bed, and he got rejuvenated. He drew divine vitality uh, for it had gone out of him in the ministry uh, and thank God his heart was at peace when he prayed. Amen. Your heart will be at peace when you pray. Amen. Everything around you can be falling apart. You can be on your last leg. It seems like you're at the end of your journey. It seems like you've reached the end of your rope. And thank God God will speak peace like no other. Thank God there is a peace that comes with prayer, that comes with nothing else this morning. Amen. Well, the world is in turmoil. And I'm not downplaying these things. Don't misunderstand me this morning. But we've got an all-time high of depression. We've got an all-time high of just discomfort and nervousness and just people being so apprehensive and being so anxious about things in life. And it seems like men have no peace. And it seems like they have no comfort. It's because we are not praying. Amen. We're not drawing peace from the secret place. But thank God as Elisha went in that place, in that secret place, in that room, in that chamber, no doubt he laid down and he was able to rest. Amen. You'll find divine rest in the arms of Jesus Christ in the secret place. Amen. Not only do we find peace this morning, there's a bed. But then I see this, the next item in our chamber, we find a table. Amen. We find a table. The bed speaks to us of peace. But this table speaks to us of provision this morning. Amen. Think about it. Every time Elisha passed through Shunem, every time he came by, that woman said to her husband, Honey, get ready. The man of God's coming by. Amen. And you know what they do? They'd go in there in the room. They'd vacuum the floor. They'd sweep out the cobwebs. They made sure everything looked good for the man of God. And then she'd set on bread. She'd get the fire ready. She'd prepare the food for the man of God. And no doubt after his long journey, he'd come in there and he'd sit down at the table and he'd eat until he was filled. Amen. Thank God in the place of prayer, God will provide for you and I. Amen. Boy, in the ministry when we serve God, uh, whether it be we're a preacher or a teacher or, or whether we're over the Sunday school department or whatever it is that you and I do, brother, we'll operate in the flesh uh, and we'll just get weary and we'll need strength and we'll need provision and we'll get weak. Oh, but thank God you and I uh, can pull up to the Master's table uh, and we can pray uh, and God God will feed our soul. Amen. Doesn't matter what's going on. Thank God you can slide up to the king's table. I thought about this, what David said 
in Psalms chapter number 23 and verse number 5, what, he, what did he say? He said, Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of thine enemies. Amen. You know, know this as well as I do. I mean, that was a shepherd's psalm and David was indeed a shepherd. So it was a shepherd writing about sheep and a shepherd. And he said this. He said, Lord, he said, when the wolves come past me about, he said, when the evil days come, when I get tired and when I get weary, he said, thou preparest a table for me in the presence of thine enemies. Amen. Thank God when the walls are closing in, when the devil's on your trail and the world's got your back turned to the wall, thank God you can sit down at God's heavenly table and thank God He'll feed your soul. He'll give you what you need. Thank God He'll provide for you. Amen. And He'll give you provision. Amen. I thought about this. Why is it, and I ain't picking on nobody this morning, but why is it that we have so many weak and watered-down Christians? Yes, sir, it's because we're not eating from God's table. We come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and we rely on the keeper. We rely on the man of God to feed us. And then we want to go in the strength of that meat all the rest of the week and we wonder why we have no victory. Here's the thing this morning. How would you like it just to eat? You only got to eat Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Lord, help us Monday evening roll around. I'd starve to death. Amen? But I'm telling you this, we think that's absurd when it comes to physical things. But how much more absurd is it when it comes to spiritual things? Amen. But thank God it's not just the man of God's opportunity and privilege and responsibility to provide for you week in and week out. But thank God you've got a spot at the king's table. You've got a place. You've got a table set before you. You've got a portion. You've got a serving that God has prepared just for you. Amen. And thank God He'll give us peace. He'll give us provision this morning. Thank God God knows what you need this week. I'm glad for that this morning. Amen. You've come this morning and you've come this week with a need. You've come with a burden. You Maybe you've come with a heartache. Maybe you're in the midst of some trial or some heartache. But you've left back at your church and the devil's just eating you alive knowing that when you get back you're going to have to deal with that. But you ought to take courage and take heart this week that while the devil's got that mess and he's got that crowd back at home, God has spread a table for you and He wants to feed you this week and provide for you like no one else can. We see peace. Then we see provision. Then I see this. I see this stool. That stool represents power. You say, I don't see that. If you'll study this out for yourself, don't take my word for it. But if you'll go home and you'll find your Strong's Concordance and you'll look at this word stool and you'll go to the Old Testament, the earlier parts of the Old Testament, and you'll look at that word throne, it's the same exact word. Amen. (laughs) 
That word stool is the same word that's used for the throne this morning. Amen. And you say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm not saying that they had a throne for Elisha in that room. Uh, no, but what I'm saying is, is every time he knelt down uh, and he turned that stool into an altar, it wasn't his power. No, but it was God's divine power. It was God's divine vitality. Thank God he was tapped into another world uh, and he was bowing before the throne of grace. And God imparted His power to Elisha. Boy, we need the power of God in the day and age we live in. It's no, it's no secret that preachers need the touch of God. It's no pre- secret that Sunday school teachers, if you want to have an effective class and reach people and touch people's lives for the cause of Christ, then you need the power of God. But I want to go a step further than this. Daddy, if you want to lead your family and be the high priest of your home that God desires for you to be, uh, thank God you need the touch of God. Uh, if you're a single mama in here, I hate your situation. Uh, but thank God that the power of God is available to you too. You can raise them babies and you can raise them youngins in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If you'll get full of God and get full of the Holy Ghost, God will give you His power. Well, we need the power of God in the day and age which we live. Can I say this? I love Brother Sammy Allen. Sammy Allen can't carry this thing forever. Well, we need some young men that'll get full of God. And the only way you'll ever get full of God is to have a healthy and a beneficial prayer life with God. That's the only way. Brother, we can stand up and we can, we can preach our little outline. We can preach our little thoughts and our cute illustrations and our one-liners, you know, that gets everybody's attention. But brother, the results come from the power of God. Amen. We see a bed. It offers us peace. The table. It offers us provision. This stool. It offers us power. But then I see this this morning. I see this candlestick. The candlestick offers perception this morning. Our prayer life is our direction with God. We read our Bible, but then we go and we retire to the place of prayer and that Bible is illuminated in our heart and in our mind and we can know the direction that God has for us. We can know the will of God for our life. We can know the next step that you and I are supposed to take with God and without prayer and without the Bible, you're lost without God with no direction in life. There's so many people, they get saved. And that's all. They're not going to hell. They've got Jesus living on the inside. But they have absolutely no direction whatsoever in their life. They have no perception. It's because they have no prayer life. Amen.
This word candlestick, I want to remind you of this. The word candlestick that we find here in 2 Kings chapter number 4 is the same exact word that was used for the candlestick in the days of Moses in the tabernacle. It's the word menorah. Amen? Everybody familiar with that? And we know this, that the menorah was the only source of light inside the tabernacle. There were no windows. There were no outside sources of light. There was no foreign light, natural or unnatural outside the light that the menorah gave in the tabernacle. There were no windows, no outside sources of light. Can I say this? When you and I enter into the prayer closet, we enter into the place of prayer, we ought to shut out everybody's opinion. Shut out what everybody's telling us to do. Shut out everybody's good ideas and bright ideas for our life and our ministry. You want to know what God thinks? You've got to go into the secret place and shut the door and shut the world out and get divine direction from a thrice holy God. And God will give you light to see. Amen. Andrew Telford tells a story of a young man back in the war days. He came to a train station and he was running late for his train. And he asked the man at the ticket booth, he said, has the train come yet? And he said, no, it's about 20 minutes behind. And the young man remembered that he had to make a phone call. And he said, sir, he said, is there a phone available? He said, yes, sir. He said, if you look about 200 yards down that track, there's a booth down there and there's a phone inside and you can make your call there. And as the early hours of the morning, he walked down the track and he came to the booth there and he opened it up and it was dark inside and he couldn't see in his bag to find the number and he couldn't see to dial the number. So he walked back out on the track. He walked back down to the ticket booth and he said, Sir, he said, I'm trying to make this call. He said, I've got just enough time. And he said, Is there a light available? And he said this. He said, Sir... When you walk down there to that booth, if you'll walk inside and you'll turn around and shut the door, the light will come on. That's exactly what Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, when thou prayest, He said, enter into thy closet. And He said, shut the door. And what I'm telling you this morning, if you'll shut out all outside sources of light, if you'll shut out what everybody says, and you'll get into the prayer closet, and thank God you'll shut the door, thank God the light will come on, and thank God you can have perception in your walk with God. God will speak to your heart. God will turn the light on. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning. Young person, if you don't have a prayer life, you ought to get one. Amen. Not because I'm preaching this morning, but because this is the Word of God. You ought to resolve in your heart and your life of a covenant with God. And you'll have a prayer life from this moment on. Amen. Three things about prayer quickly and I'm done. I looked at this text and I saw just three practical things about prayer and what prayer should be in our life. Prayer should be this. Prayer should be a sacrifice. Verse number 10 tells us this. She said, let us make a little chamber. Now indeed it was a little chamber, but it took labor and it took work to build. And every time Elisha passed through Shunem, every single 
time that he passed through Shunem, didn't matter what hour it was, it didn't matter the situation that was taking place, it didn't matter what was going on, every time Elisha passed through Shunem, she had to get the room ready, she had to put the bread on, she had to provide for the man of God. And can I say this, our prayer life ought to be a sacrifice. Amen. You say, I don't pray because I don't have time to pray. If you're waiting for that opportunity, you'll never have time to pray. You've got to make time to pray and take time to pray. And you know, we invest our heart and we invest our, invest our time and we invest our life in the things that are most important to us. I wonder this, this morning, how much do we pray? Prayer should be a sacrifice. But then I notice this, prayer should be simple. I notice in verse number 10, there were just four items. Just four pieces of furniture. But those four pieces of furniture met every need that Elisha had. Listen, prayer is a simple thing. Prayer is even frowned on and looked down upon by the world. And boy, may, it may just be a simple thing, but thank God it is a powerful thing. And when we step into the prayer closet and we shut the doors, we've already said, the simplicity of prayer is our provision. The simplicity of prayer will meet every single need that you you and I have as a believer. Prayer should be a sacrifice. Prayer should be simple. But then I noticed this. Prayer should be small. She called it a little chamber. That's right. I'm not saying that prayer should be small in our life. Not minimizing prayer. Prayer is a very big thing and it should be a big thing in our life. But what I mean by this is when I say prayer should be small, prayer should be an act of humility. Prayer should be uh, where it was like the Bible said with Saul that he was small in his own eyes. And brother, that's where we've got to get and that's where we've got to be. Uh, You and I have to be small in our own eyes. Uh, And when it comes to praying, you and I have to realize this, uh, that it's us that's doing the asking and it's God that's doing the giving. Uh, uh, Brother, I've heard some people, uh, they pray and they talk to God like He owes them something. Honey, God don't owe you anything. Uh, God doesn't know me anything. You and I deserve hell. Oh, but it's by the grace of God and the divine mercy of God that He allows us into His presence. He allows us an audience with the Almighty. And thank God when we bow our knee, we're ushered into the presence of God. Prayer ought to be small. Amen. It was a little chamber. Amen. I hope that you pray. And if you do pray, I hope you pray more. Amen. I want to confess to you this morning, I do not pray enough. I do not pray like I should. But I want to pray more. I want to do more for the cause of Christ. I want to be equipped to do more for Jesus. You say, how are we going to do that, preacher? We'll do it through prayer. Amen.